You're listening to a sermon by New Hill Church. We pray this message helps you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have questions about this message, a previous message, or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com. Kiddos, we, we have um, a, a video for you all. Um, should be a lesson. Also have a crossword. You guys know the routine now. Also, if you didn't see on the table there, we have a QR code. That QR code will not get you a menu here to order food, um, like maybe you've seen in restaurants. But what it will do is pull up the lyrics for you. Um, so maybe you were wondering, why do I only have like one sheet around me? You can grab any other sheet. If it's at another table, you want the physical sheet. That's great. I encourage you, most phones, you just open up the camera, you hold it up to it, and a link will pop up, and you click that link. You'll have all the lyrics there, and at the very bottom, we even threw in announcements for you. So you don't have to worry about, maybe I missed the loop, maybe I missed something that was said. The announcements will be right at the bottom of that. So even if you don't use it for announcements, or for lyrics, make sure you get that link and go down to the announcements. And you can sign up for Mr. Gary Fox's loop every week. You can sign up right there, and we'll get you added to that loop to keep you in the loop. Um, I think that's, that's really it by... Um, way of things I have to, to share except for God's Word, which I'm so pumped to be in. Again, we've been going through Jonah, the series Taken by Grace, and if we haven't figured it out yet that Jonah is not in control of this story, Jonah is not the king of this story, Jonah is, is not the one to be elevated from this story, Jonah is no hero in this story. Actually, Jonah is going to be really slammed here in two weeks, which is going to be weird if you've ever and only ever read the kids' books, which actually typically leave out chapter 4 because what that does, church, is it takes away Jonah from being the hero. Because Jonah's not the hero. We read chapter 3, and even today, um, we can read between the lines and see some things with Jonah that, that really just weren't right, things that still weren't settling right, but, but that really comes out of chapter 4. Jonah is preaching and sharing this message that God has told him to share, but he's, he's reluctant in doing so. We've seen this in, in this entire long and grueling book, right? All four chapters of it. We see from the very beginning that God gives this message for Jonah to deliver. And we talk about it being a message of grace. The reason I say it's a message of grace is because there is no grace if there is no wrath. So we understand that when we deal with wrath, there's some kind of grace, there's some kind of mercy to be found, and that mercy and grace is only to be found in God. Okay, so Jonah's given this message of wrath to share with his enemies. He doesn't want to share it. In fact, he flees far away. Instead of going to Nineveh, he goes to Tarshish. He's going about 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. In that time, that would be a great journey and uh, a great effort to avoid doing what he could have just done in the first place. And something a lot of us, if we're being honest, would love to do. Go up to our enemy and tell them, the, the wrath of God is upon you, right? be great to tell our enemy that. A lot of us tell our enemies that in our head when we're in the midst of a dispute, but he decides not to. He flees. Okay, He, he gets on this boat with these mariners. He pays the fare. He wants to go far away. The boat becomes uh, caught up in this storm, and it's, it's a great storm, right? They're throwing things overboard. Jonah is, is sleeping in the bottom. They wake him up. They say, come upstairs. Come up. We're going to figure out whose fault this is. They find out. They cast lots. Find out that it's Jonah's fault. After some dispute, you can read in the rest of the second half of chapter 1, Jonah's thrown overboard. The, the sea and the storm ceases. It becomes calm. And Jonah thinks that this is the end for him, that he will just drown and not have to carry this message to the Ninevites. 
wrong. He's swallowed by a great fish. This happened, church. This is not fake. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story for our kids to enjoy. This is God's word, and it's for us, and it's for God's glory. Chapter 2, Jonah begins to pray to God. He talks about the weeds wrapped around his head. He talks about salvation belonging to the Lord, right? He, he is repenting. He's calling out upon God. He's giving thanks to God. At the very end of chapter 2, we read last week, it says, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. God was not done with Jonah, and God was going to use this broken man to deliver his wholesome message. And that's where we are in chapter 3 today. And our main point this morning is going to be our second chance. Listen up, church, this is going to be like an earful. Our second chance is no excuse to continue to sin. Our second chance is no excuse to continue to sin. This is something that that should be so basic. This is foundational. This is the gospel that we've been saved. We've been given life when we were dead in our trespasses, that we were made alive in Christ Jesus. And if a, a dead man is made alive, then he doesn't look or live like a dead man did. We talk about this a lot here. It's very important because this is the gospel truth that is only found in Jesus Christ, that we cannot continue going on sinning. Paul talks about this in Romans, a book full of of heartache for us because it calls out the very nature that we are called to run from to 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 let die so he talks about this idea of grace right paul talks about this he says well if if grace shows up where our sin is should we continue to sin so that grace may abound does anybody know the answer to what he says to his question he says by no means By no means can we continue to deliberately going on habitual sin, right? To let it go on, unrepentant sin cannot continue on. We see this in the life of Jonah here, that our second chance church is no excuse to continue to sin. So let's look at these three supporting points for our main point this morning. That's we need to renew, repent, and receive. Renew, repent, receive. First point, renew. These first two verses in chapter 3, let's look at it. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. We immediately see that God is not done with Jonah, that God has a mission that he's going to accomplish. Jonah did not just speak the words to get out of the belly of the fish. You all know what it's like to to say just enough to get you out of that moment, right? Like just enough. And us men, we definitely have it down, like with the whole cliche of like, how do these pants make me look? Great. Do they make me look fat? Like, you know, like at this point, like we know, like we don't even have to say a word, just like, You get like the right facial expression and it's like, we just know. And it's just enough to get us by to the next like butt whooping that's coming, right? Like there's something and we just know that it's building up and it's building up and it's building up. So we say just enough to get us by. Jonah was not having that moment with God in the belly of the fish where he says, I'm just going to avoid God's wrath here. I'm going to avoid being the punching bag here. I'm going to say enough to get me out of this belly. Jonah thought he was dead winds up on dry land again, being spit out, vomited out of the belly of the fish, only to have the word of the Lord come to him a second time. 
All this time, Jonah's running, and he's running, and he's running, and he's running, and he's running, and he forgets that God has a renewal with his people, that this covenant will not go away. We cannot run from it. We cannot attain it. We can't receive it on our own, but by God's grace, we are renewed. We are in a holy covenant with God, and there's nothing that we can do. And church, if we are, in fact, believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will persevere to the end. And Jonah was facing this. In this very moment, he's facing the fact that he is not getting away from God's plan. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. There's this renewal, not only to renew and, and to spare Jonah's life, but to spare his position. He didn't even lose his position as a prophet. God was still going to use him to deliver this word. See, it's one thing to just get by or get out of that, that spot, right? He's out of the belly of the fish. His life is spared, but so is his position. God could have said, I'll use a more bold and more, more honest and more noble prophet than yourself to deliver this message. You did not act like a godly man. I'll spare your life, but I will not spare your position. We have a persistent God, and let me tell you something. God doesn't use those who are good enough. None of us are good enough. God uses the lowly and broken to humble the proud. So there's this renewal that they were renewing, that God is so persistent that there was nothing that Jonah was going to do to get out of this. So what does God tell him? He doesn't tell him a new message. It says the, the word of the Lord came to him a second time, said, arise, go to Nineveh. Could you imagine the journey that you've just been on? And you're like, and we're back to square one. Like the thought of like, I could say no, I could hop on a boat again, but I may not be spared this time. Or I just don't want to be in the belly of a fish again. That was awful. So this word comes to him. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. See, God's persistence with his people is so key, and it's just a fact that cannot be ignored here that God is using His people to accomplish His will. And Jonah, was, he was not worthy of this. He was not worthy of the calling. He was not worthy of being sent on this mission. Jonah is being commissioned back out. And when we think about this, we can think about how many times that we've run from the Great Commission, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age, right? And we, we hear that, right? It's the message that we've been given, right? So now we're Jonah's, right? We're, we're told to go out. We're commissioned out. We gather in so that we can go out and share the good news. But we hear this commission, and what we do is we'll often get back in our car and like, oh, that was a great word this morning. Not from pastor, but from the word. That's what I hope is the case, is that we're, we're looking to the word and we're saying that was a great word this morning. It really moved, and I, I feel compelled. And then we get home, and we let the, the food settle from our lunch, and like we're just kind of like over it by that point. And we don't end up in the belly of a fish, but we end up in the despair of our week, the, the trials, some triumphs. But God gets neglected until the following Sunday, and then we come back and we have the, the same thing happens. We feel compelled. 
We hear his word. It's moving upon us. But church, we are commissioned. We are not to keep falling into this trap of, of what Jonah was doing and rebelling against the mission. Church, if we've been saved by the good news, we should live like we know and have heard and love the good news. There's no reason we should flee from the very word that saved us. And there's no reason that we should withhold the word that saved us, wretched sinners, from saving those around us. Let me tell you something. If God has a purpose to save that person you don't like, I would rather be the one doing it because God is going to save that person with or without me. I would rather be obedient and I'd rather get to play a part knowing that I'm broken, but I get to share that good news. God is persistent. He does not give up on his people. He did not give up on Jonah, not his life, and not his position. God was going to use this broken rebel to accomplish his will. Matthew Henry says this, he says, God's making use of us is the best evidence of his being at peace with us. Hereby it will appear that our sins are pardoned and we have the, uh, the goodwill of God towards us. Does his word come to us and do we experience his good work in us? If so, we have reason to admire the riches of free grace and to our own obligations to Jesus and to own our obligations to Jesus. Church, we are not worthy. I am not worthy. We look at Paul. Paul said he was, he was the, the greatest sinner and the, the least worthy out of everyone. And we look at Paul and we're like, wow! Like that guy was a champ. But he said he was not worthy. Church, we are to follow Jesus, not follow man. I'm going to turn to, to Psalm 68, 18. If you guys, you can turn there. I'll probably be there. I've got my little ribbon ready. Um, Psalm 68, verse 18 says this. You ascend on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. The narrative of the Scriptures is not about God coming to those who are worthy, coming to those who have earned, coming to those who have attained something that man cannot reach. The Word of God is about hopeless, reckless sinners in need of a mighty, intentional God. That's why when we look at this, we have to understand, the book of Jonah just gets overlooked and just the, the structure of it. That the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Church, we should not take our second chance for granted. We should not take our, our third and our fourth chance when, when God is working and calling us to go out and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. That is not something to be ignored. We are to be obedient because God is renewing our hearts, renewing our minds so that we would follow him. So the word comes to Jonah. What happens? Jonah, not just verbally, but through his actions, repent. Point number two, repent. Jonah changed his course for good. He changed the direction in which he was going. 
Literally, where he was going to head, he decided, this is not the time to go back to Tarshish. I need to go to Nineveh. He gets this word from the Lord, right? And what does Jonah do? So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great, three days journey and breadth. Jonah has this renewal with God. God has not given up on him as he does not with his covenant people. And he has this moment. He's got to figure out what he is going to do. And he takes his second chance as an opportunity to right his wrong. That he has an opportunity to make things right. See, that's something that we have a tough time with because we don't know how to let go of the past with, with those who have wronged us. We, we, we don't know how to let go of even our own wrongs. right? Like, like if God gave us a, a, a commission, right? Before, Jonah felt like he was in control, but think about being in Jonah's uh, shoes here. At this point, you'd be like, well, I'm not worthy. I just ran from you. I just did everything to get away from this mission, and you're asking me again. I'm not worthy. Right Before, it was like complete rebellion, and now it's like almost like we, just, we cast a shadow upon ourselves when God has forgiven us, but we want to live in our past and not live as if we've been forgiven. We, this is where it's like you find that balance, right? We are not good enough but God in us is great enough. That the whole point of I can do all things through Christ is the idea that, that God working in us, there's nothing that, can, that cannot be overcome, right? And that's not to say like dunking, right? Paul was talking about the life that he could live, whether it be uh, rich or poor, everything that life would throw at him, that he could handle it because of the God who saved him and lives in him. So Jonah here, he takes a second chance as an opportunity to make things right. Though Jonah is reluctant, he is obedient. Now this is the thing, and you really get to it in chapter 4. I'm going to throw it out there now, is that Jonah did not want to share this message. He still did not want to share this message. You could go ahead and you could be like, what are you talking about? He shares it, right? Look at chapter 4. I'll do it. I wanted chapter 4 to be like that mic drop moment, but I, just, I want this to like sit with us, right? They, they repent, right? Spoiler alert. The people of Nineveh repent. God withholds his anger with them. Verse 1 of chapter 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Jonah was reluctant in sharing this message. He shared it. Though he was reluctant, he was obedient. Now that's something that we need to hear. We, we oftentimes are reluctant in sharing the good news. We are reluctant in, in telling those who have done wrong to us that they can be forgiven, not only by us, but by a holy God. We don't want to tell people this. We don't want to lead them to repentance. We want to lead them into their wrath. That's what happens when we do not faithfully share the gospel. We don't lead them into anything good. We lead them into wrath. And it's not wrath like a backyard brawl. It's wrath of eternal separation, gnashing of teeth. That's what we do when we do not faithfully share this message. And I stand on what I say when I say that God will use someone else to bring that person to himself. But when we do that, what we're telling God is we would rather see that person damned to hell than to see them saved by his grace. And that is wrong. If we have been renewed, if we've been given a second chance, then we not only need to repent, but lead people to repentance by sharing the good news that has saved us. You all know like those moments of like reluctance, but like obedience at the same time. Like we struggle with it with the gospel, but 
but not really so much like with this, right? Like we want to be obedient and carrying out something that was told to us, but we're reluctant, maybe even like a little bit quiet about it. Like Jonah, he goes, let me give you an example with Jonah. Jonah is reluctant but obedient because in verse 4, Jonah began uh, to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all we hear about this message. That's all we hear. Jonah says, Forty days and you'll be destroyed. Actually, I'd, I'd probably think like Jonah's pretty chill about it. Yet forty days and you're going to be overthrown, guys. Good luck. He's obedient and carrying it, but he's reluctant, kind of quiet. Not hoping, obviously, in chapter 4, that anything would come of this. Now for me, if you all know Miss Violet, she, she likes to bake me up some brownies every now and then. She's a wonderful baker, uh, makes the best treats. And there have been times uh, now, which is why she tells Aubrey that she made brownies instead of me, because she's made brownies, and she says, make sure you tell Aubrey about the brownies and share them. So then I'm reluctant but I'm obedient. So I'd eat a few. I eat a few. Oh, hey, Aubrey, by the way, Violet made brownies. There's one left. I'm obedient in carrying out that message, but I'm reluctant in how I share them all with them. Maybe something you all can relate to a little bit more if, if Miss Violet doesn't make you all treat, which is okay because I'll take them all. But something we can all relate to is, is going to work. In the morning, you hear that alarm clock, and what do you do? Snooze. I heard snooze whispered by like everybody. So this is a, an ongoing problem. You hit snooze. If you're the man and you do that, um, you can come join the My Wife Hates Me Club because I hit snooze too much. Um, I hit snooze, right? I hit snooze. We keep hitting snooze. We think like that extra 10 minutes of laying there not actually being asleep is going to help us. We hit snooze. We are reluctant to go to work. But we are obedient because if we don't go, then there's going to be some trouble right? We do the same thing with the gospel, and we shouldn't. As James says, these things, church, ought not be so. We should not be reluctant in sharing the gospel. It's something that we have to fight. I'm not saying it's something that is easy, but we are to faithfully, not reluctantly, proclaim the gospel. And maybe, maybe that's your, your, your first step in doing so is being like Jonah, being like a Jonah. And you feel that reluctance, but you do it anyways because you know that you're told to. And you fight that reluctance to say, this is obedience to the Master that saved me. This is faithfulness to proclaiming His good news to try to hopefully save sinners. All I can do is plant the seed. That's all we have to do, church. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to be like smart enough or good enough to share the gospel well enough for somebody to be saved. It says that we share the good news and God does what no man can do. He saves and changes someone's heart. Mark 4 lays it out best when you get the parable of the seed. They plant the seed. The farmer plants the seed. He tends to the seed, but he watches it grow and he knows not how. Church, we are to faithfully, not reluctantly, share the gospel. Jonah withheld. So there's baby steps here. He originally withheld, he ran. Maybe we can relate to that. Maybe we can think of a season that we've been in, though it wasn't the belly of a fish, praise the Lord. We can think of a time where things just seemed off. Things just seemed to not go our way. And what we wanted to do was say, why, God, would you do that? When really God's like, I told you 
I told you to go and to share my word, do I have your attention yet? Again, these are things that we don't want to talk about, that God would, would use the broken world to get our attention, to bring us closer to him. But guess what he does? That doesn't mean he brings bad things upon us, but he will use the bad things the world has brought upon us to draw us closer to himself. Jonah goes through the belly of the fish. He's given the word a second time, and what does he do? Though he is reluctant, he is obedient. He is sharing the good news. And believe me, church, it's not a message of good news about wrath, but wrath leads to repentance because of grace. And what do they do? They receive. Point number three, they receive this message. Jonah comes in and he says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That is not a cool message. Actually, to, to these guys, Jonah's lucky that he didn't get slapped, taken hostage, and killed for what he just said to them. They were a force to be reckoned with. This, there's a reason why Jonah hated the Ninevites. And I use hate intentionally. He hated them because they hated God's people. They had done wrong to God's people. They had done wrong to the world. Jonah saying this was, was faithful and could have led to his death. In verse 5, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They believe this word that has come to them. They believe that wrath is com coming upon them. They believe that they could be at the 40-day 40, 40 mark. Like, let the countdown begin, boys. We've done some wrong, and things are about to get crazy around here. But what do they do? They not only believe, they not only receive, but they change. Repentance, true repentance will lead to change. What do they do? They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. This is not something that anybody could avoid. The entire city has turned to God to repent and to mourn. Sackcloth and ashes is a way of mourning in their time. Like weeping, right? It's like handing over like, you know, some tissues and stuff at a, at a funeral, right? Like someone who's weeping. They, they would put on sackcloth and ashes and they were fasting from the greatest of them to the least of them. No one was excluded. This city was turned upside down. Was it because they were good enough? No. It's because of God who is merciful. It's the very reason that Jonah ends up upset. They receive, the Ninevites receive the word of the Lord and they change. They mourn. What are they mourning? They are mourning their sin. They are mourning their sin. You look at, at God's people through the Old Testament. You look at God's people now, us, church, the things that we go through, the things that, that we do, we proclaim to be the holy rollers. We proclaim to be the ones who have been saved by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. We proclaim these things, yet we don't even repent. We don't even fall on our knees. We don't even fast. We don't even mourn our sin. Yet these pagans did. Look at the goodness of God. We're getting in really into next week, but, but God is, is doing something among the Ninevites. They've heard this message of wrath. They know that it's coming. And they begin to mourn from the greatest of them to the least of them. Church, our second chance is no excuse. 
to continue to sin. That is the biggest thing to take away here is that, that, that they see that, that they have sinned. They mourn. They mourn their sin. They mourn the wrath that they have caused. And they, they are in despair. They know that God's wrath is coming upon them. But they've been given a second chance because the message of wrath can lead to repentance, which leads to redemption. The message of wrath leads to a message of grace and of mercy that is found in Jesus Christ. For them, it was the coming Messiah. For us, we get to look back on what Jesus did on the cross for us on our behalf. But we have no excuse, church. Let me say this. If, if you're a believer here today, You've been saved by God's grace. You've been given life. You were dead in your trespasses, and God saved you. He gave you life. You have no excuse to continue to sin. No excuse. The second chance you have been given gives you no excuse to continue in sin. You've been renewed. You've repented, and you've received life in Christ Jesus. Paul makes it so clear. All of Scripture makes it so clear. We have no room to continue doing what dead people do. We have no room to do what those opposed to God do. The Bible paints this clear picture. You are either for God or against God. Living for God, fighting the good fight, or you are working for the enemy. So if you're a believer here today, you've trusted in the good news of Jesus, where are you? Where do you stand? Do you continue to sin because, hey, we just chalk it up to we're all sinners? Or do you understand God's goodness that saved you and called you to live a life of obedience? Maybe you're here today and you're not a believer the message that you need to hear is that you're on your way to hell. That without a renewal with God, without repenting and receiving life through Jesus, that you're on your way to eternal separation. And those are never fun things to hear. Let me tell you, church, they're not fun things to say. I wish that everybody, even some of my family, would accept this message and not be going to hell one day. I pray that God would do what only He could do while I do what I can do is share the gospel and pray that the Holy Spirit would use me, make me bold, make me honest, make me stand firm on the truth that is found in Jesus. See, this is reason to celebrate because without the message of wrath, there is no message of grace. There is no message of mercy. What is the message of mercy without wrath? What are you being saved from? What is grace? What are you being given that you don't already have? Church, and that's the reason we come to the table. We come to the table, communion, to remember what Jesus did for us. We come to the table to remember that we too lived in rebellion before we know Him. We, we come to the table to remember that we still fight off this rebellious nature that we have so that we can live faithfully for Jesus. And when we come to the table, we remember what Jesus did on our behalf, what we could never do, so that we could celebrate eternity. We come to the table to remember the things that Jesus did for us. So that there would no longer be a story of wrath for our future, but that our future would be re rewritten 
and that we would be given grace and life and mercy through the blood of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross when he died for the believers. He poured out his blood so that our sins would be atoned for. Nelson and Luke, if you guys want to go ahead and come back up. Church, we're going to be taking communion um, this morning. Um, I don't want to like, scare everybody away, but we're, we're doing this more regularly the last Sunday of every month. I expect every um, member to be here the last Sunday of every month. This is not something we went to, oh, well, we're doing it regularly, so this means that you can just miss out on this. No, this is a special time for us. This is a wonderful time for us as we come to the table to remember what Jesus did, to remember what he did on our behalf. Because, church, we are not worthy, and we cannot get there on our own. And remembering this brings us closer to Jesus and further away from our sin. Coming to the table requires us to take a look at ourselves, to take a look. Are we still running? Are we still living in the belly of the fish? Are we living on the boat facing the storm and the wrath around us? Or are we overcoming our reluctance to faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? So I'm going to in- instruct us here for communion. And I, I just want to like lay this, this stern warning out for us. Church, as we, we draw near to the Lord's table to celebrate the communion of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to remember that our Lord instituted this ordinance for the perpetual memory of His dying for our sakes and the pledge of His undying love as a bond of our union with Him and each other as members of His mystical body as a seal of His grace to us and a renewal of our obedience to Him, for the blessed assurance of His presence with us who are gathered here in His name, as an opportunity for us who love the Savior to feed spiritually on Him who is the bread and life, and as a pledge of His coming again. Church, this is a sacred time that we're entering into to remember. It's not just a a time of remembrance, Right, right, like someone who's just passed away, but as we approach this, we believe this to be a, one of the two ordinances of the church. This is not literal. We believe it to be symbolic of Jesus' um, blood and body broken for us. But we would be fools to not warn you that if you are not a believer, Paul warns in 1 Corinthians to stay away from this time, to take the time to reflect on your relationship or lack thereof with Jesus Christ. And for us believers to also take guard and reflect on how we've been living, what's up in our life, what do we need to repent of. Not so that we could receive life, but that we could, we could, um, we could mend the relationship that we've been running from. We could rot our wrong as well. I'm going to uh, pray for us, and Pastor Gary and Pastor Simon are going to be up here, and you can come up and grab the cup. Do not eat of it, do not drink of it yet, just go back to your seat. And as we think about these things, I want us to reflect on our life and the way that we've been living. And we are not worthy, church. This is a time to remember the one who is worthy, the one who is deserving. So I want us to reflect on those things. As a believer, where's your life been? Have you been living for the one who saved you, who gave you life when you were dead? Have we been doing that? And if you're not a believer, You need to repent and believe in the good news of Jesus. And again, any of the pastors here, anybody here, I think would be willing, I know would be willing to talk to you about that good news and what it means to be saved.
but let us reflect on those things. Let us take time to pray. And as you're ready, you can come up and, and get the cup from uh, Pastor Simon here. But let me pray for us, and, and we're going to just reflect on these things as we approach the table. Father, pray that you would just lead us this morning. God, work and stir in our hearts. God, there are things that we need to repent of. There's, there's things that we probably came in this morning just thinking about. Sin in our life, problems in our life, problems at home, problems at work, the weight of this world coming down on us. And I pray at this time, God, we would leave it at the cross. I pray that we would remember what, what you did through your Son on the cross on our behalf. God, we are not worthy, but we come to you knowing and trusting you as our worthy, almighty Savior. I pray that we would think about these things. As believers, I pray that we would remember this as, as we reflect that we, God, need to give up this life of sin and pursue you with the help of your Spirit living inside of us, God. And I pray that you would draw the person here who does not know you. Draw them to yourself. Save them. Father, we love you. Just ask that you move in this time in our hearts. Amen.